Welcome to our weekly Church on the Rock podcast. For more information, visit us at churchak.org, download our Church on the Rock AK app, or like us on our Facebook page. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoy our weekly podcast. Hey, Church on the Rock, here we are, Vision 2024. And this Sunday and next Sunday, we're going to be uh, laying out the big picture plan for Church on the Rock during 2024. And you just need to know that over the past numerous months, our elders, our board, our campus pastors, myself, we have been praying and scheming and dreaming and planning together for everything that the Lord has in this coming year. And so this Sunday, we want to lay out the big picture plan across all of our campuses. And then next week, at a campus level, your campus pastor is going to be sharing with you what it's going to look like to implement that plan at your campus. But here's what I want you to know. I see a direct correlation between these last 21 days of prayer and fasting and some of the things that the Lord has been stirring up and shaking up over that time period, preparing the ground, preparing the way for everything that he has for us in 2024. So are you ready? Here we go. We're going to unpack it, but let me start with this. Lemon pie lessons. Uh, My wife, you may not know this, but this is well known in our household, is a phenomenal baker and cook. But lemon pies, she has a unique specialty. It's either the dark arts or it's a supernatural gifting from the Lord, but her lemon pies are amazing. They're so, so good. And I came home just the other night and I saw one in the refrigerator, just sitting there gleaming in the refrigerator LED light. We sat down for dinner. I didn't say anything about it because I didn't know why she had made a lemon pie. It's typically for a pretty special occasion. And, but as we sat down for dinner, we ate, and then the lemon pie came out. And I guess I just wasn't paying attention. I heard some conversation going on uh, among Kitri and the girls. But the next thing I know, there's lemon pie in front of me, and I hear Kitri say this, hip, hip, hooray, hip, hip, hooray, hip, hip, hooray. And I have no idea 
what's going on. I'm just like, hooray for lemon pie. What I discovered is that we were actually having a celebration because in my house, two of my girls in particular have been in a race of sorts. I don't know exactly how you race in this race, but the race was to see which one of them would surpass their mother's height the fastest. And so we have been keeping track in our pantry for years and years and years. But over the past year, year and a half in particular, it's been on like Donkey Kong. Like they are in a race to see who will be taller than mom the first. And apparently we had a winner. In fact, this is off of our pantry wall. You can see to protect the innocent, I have redacted some of the names there. It's mostly just to protect me because I made a commitment that every time I said one of my girl's names from the platform without permission, I owe them $5. But Katie gave me permission. And you can see right up there, Katie won the race. And Kitri was celebrating that victory. And it got me thinking, you know what good leaders do? Good leaders celebrate when the next generation is ready to take over, when the next generation has the potential to surpass them in ministry, good leaders celebrate those things. And Kitri was celebrating the fact that one of the girls had passed her. But with the process of growing also comes growing pains. As they say in fitness world, no pain, no gain. Maybe you're a little bit more like me and you just kind of think no pain, no pain. But the reality is that with growth comes growing pains. I can remember sitting in a conference several years ago down in San Jose with two good friends of mine, Luke Epperson and Wampa Martinez, as we were sort of dreaming and planning for the next season in the church. And as we're sitting in the conference, a gentleman gets up who's running a very large church, potentially the largest church in the United States. And he just made an observation as the three of us, great friends, are sitting there. He said, I want you to understand something. Uh, In the next season of your church and in the ministry of your church, probably within the next five years, the people you're running with now, you may not be running with then. And that's okay. And I remember we looked at each other afterwards. We were like, he doesn't know us. Like, we're doing what we love doing, we love each other, and yet the reality is, as I look back at pictures like this one, staff photos, I recognize that Dalton and Maggie are now out on the mission field in Uganda. Luke and Cindy have moved on to other ministries. Wampa and Rachel are now back working with World Vision, and yet in every one of these relationships, we still communicate with one another quite regularly. We still have real affection for one another and real friendship, but God has just moved us in different directions, which means that he also is doing something right here for us at Church on the Rock, which brings me to running with horses. In seasons of no pressure in your life, it's possible that you're making no progress either. And here, a few years back, I got a phone call from my mom. I can remember exactly where I was driving home when I got the phone call. I was just about to turn off on the back road that was the shortcut to my house after leaving the office. And 
My mom called and she just said, um, Jonathan, I've been reading this passage of scripture and I feel like the Lord has put it on my heart that it's for you. And she didn't read the passage to me. She just gave me the address for the passage. She said it's in Jeremiah chapter 12, verse 5. And so when I got home, I looked it up and this is what it says. If you have run with infantrymen and they have tired you out, how can you compete with the horses? If you fall down in a land of peace, how will you do in the thicket by the Jordan? My mom told me, I hope it's not offensive. I just feel like the Lord has challenged you with this passage. And as I read through it, I realized God was doing something intentional, even in the seasons where I personally felt the most pressure. In those seasons where things seemed the most challenging or the most difficult, I landed on a brand new assumption that God was training me to run with the horses. That if I was worn out running with the infantrymen, if I was worn out on foot, how would I ever run with horses? I actually believe that's true in our church. I believe it's true for you. I believe it's true for me. But what I am abundantly aware of is that God is constantly preparing us, often through pressure, to step into everything that he has. And I made a commitment that day when I first read this passage that I wanted to learn how to run with the horses. Which brings me to 21 days. Over the past 21 days, while we were in that season of prayer and fasting, the Lord had me particularly stuck in one passage of Scripture. I don't know why I was stuck here. It just was brought to mind over and over and over again. It was a passage I was reading in, I was praying into, I was asking the Lord about. It's probably a familiar passage if you've been around church world for very long, but it's actually found in Isaiah 40 for the first time, but it's also repeated in the book of Luke by a man named John the Baptist. And John, the baptizer, is actually quoting this passage from Isaiah as a prophetic declaration that what's described there is actually preparation for the coming of the Messiah, of Jesus. Here's what it says in Isaiah 40, verses 3 through 5. Listen, it's the voice of someone shouting, clear the way through the wilderness for the Lord. Make a straight highway through the wasteland for our God. Fill in the valleys and level the mountains and hills. Straighten the curves and smooth out the rough places. Then the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all people will see it together. The Lord has spoken. This passage is speaking prophetically of the coming of Jesus the first time, but it's also speaking prophetically of the way in which the church continues to join in Jesus entering communities, entering fellowships, as we participate with him and seeing every mountain leveled and every valley raised up, straight paths made in places that seem like wilderness, Jesus shows up over and over and over again. And I had such a clear sense during these 21 days of prayer and fasting that the Lord was inviting us as a church to partner with that happening, not just for Church on the Rock, but for the church in the Matsu Valley. There are lots of great churches here in the Matsu. We're 
one of those churches in each of our communities. But what Jesus wants to do is so much bigger than Church on the Rock. He's inviting us through unity, through tearing down strongholds. He's inviting us to join him in preparing the way for the Lord's glory to be revealed right here and across the Matsu Valley. And so I'm actually really excited about this year, Vision 2024. In fact, the passage that we've sort of been leaning into is Proverbs 29, verse 18, where there is no vision, the people perish. Or another way to say it is the people cast off restraint. If we're not going after something, then I better pick my own direction. And what ends up happening in that environment is that everyone just does whatever's right in their own eyes. And so what we want to tell you here in these next few moments is where we are going in 2024. In really general terms, there are some things that you should know. We're going to be moving sort of in three different directions, upward, inward, and outward. And here's what I mean by that. We're going to grow upward in our relationship to and with God. And we do it through a bunch of different ways. We do it through our celebration services on a Sunday. We do it through education and environments like the School of Ministry, SOMA. We do it through the way that we serve inside the local church. But we actually build deeper, more meaningful connections with God through our worship environments. But we're also moving inward in relationship and unity with one another. In fact, If you were to look at our life group environments or our small groups like youth group and uh, young adult groups and women's ministry and men's ministry, those types of things, and also the personal level of disciple making, we actually believe it's really critical that we move towards one another in unity. In fact, I grew up in a church environment where there was a really high value for something referred to as the anointing. It was the unique presence and power of God being put on something or someone. And what I discovered over the years is there's actually one place in particular where God pours out his anointing. It's actually discovered in the Proverbs, and it says, where brothers and sisters dwell together in unity, God's anointing is there. It says it in a way he can't help but pour out his spirit, his anointing, where there is actual unity. That's why disunity, divisiveness, is so destructive in the church is because it actually removes the anointing of God on our lives personally and on the things he's called us to corporately. But where there's real unity, authentic unity, the presence and the power and the spirit of God show up in really unique ways in those environments. That's why it's worth contending for. It's also why unity is rarely easy, but it's worth fighting for. And so in our life group environments, small group environments, disciple making, we're going to be pushing harder and harder across all of our campuses towards working together in unity. That doesn't mean we're uniform. It means we find unity in Jesus. So upward, inward, and then the last one is outward. We're moving outward to the lonely, to the lost, and to those looking for life in Christ. And we're going to do it through the ways we've been doing it in the past and through some brand new ways also. But that means in community engagement, service, and in inviting people into relationship and fellowship. Letting people know there is a place for you here, even if you don't have all the answers yet. We're inviting you to come and see, to taste and see if the Lord is good. 
And what we've discovered over and over and over again is if people will just show up in relationship, if you just extend the invitation to them over and over again, they find genuine, authentic community, love, support, relationship. And our hope is that in us, they would discover Jesus. And so that's what we're doing. We're moving upward in our worship towards God. We're moving inward in our relationships towards one another in unity. And we're moving outward towards the lonely, the lost, and the looking all over our community and all over our state. So the real question then is, how are we going to get there? Well, there's several ways we're going to get there, generally speaking. And next week, your campus pastor is going to be describing how we're going to get there at a local level. But we're raising up leaders for the future. We've been doing this in numbers of ways in multiple environments, but there's some new things we're going to add in 2024, and we hope to increase our capacity to take the God-given gifting and talent and calling that exists right here in our church and have them actually find a place here in serving in the body of Christ. And so we're raising up leaders for the future, but we're also equipping current leaders so that they can succeed at higher levels than they ever thought possible. You actually have to release authority. You have to give some things away if you want to see leaders actually succeed. And so we're going to do everything in our power to equip those individuals that we're calling up, that God is calling up to step into leadership roles so that they can succeed at everything God's calling them to do. So we're raising leaders for the future. We're equipping leaders currently for success. And then we are going to free up leaders so they can lead well. What are the things that they shouldn't be doing? What are the things that they should be able to say no to so they can say yes to the things that are actually really critical for our future as a church? And then lastly, we're going to be positioning leadership. And this is important. We're going to be positioning leadership for the next 10 to 15 years of success for Church on the Rock. We actually believe it's the responsibility of existing leaders to identify who is going to take their place. What is the succession plan for you? Have you identified someone yet that you could hand this off to? Have you raised them up? Do they have a sense of calling to the thing that God is laying on their hearts for the future? Which brings me to the difference between calling and career. Something I think is really important for you and I to understand when it comes to pastoral ministry. I knew sort of from the beginning, and I tell young pastors all the time, that if you got into vocational ministry as a career path, that is not sufficient. Because there are elements of pastoral ministry, of vocational ministry, that actually um, will present really unique challenges in the future if you view this as a career path versus a calling. Here's the difference. If I was choosing a career path, I would probably choose a particular company that I wanted to work with, a company I thought I could move up the ladder faster, make more money to provide for my family. I'd even choose a location that I wanted to live. Like, I think I'd rather be someplace warm than right here where we are right now with negative 3,000 degrees outside. Like, I would pick a different place probably. But in a calling, I actually don't get to make those decisions. I actually have a responsibility to 
do what's good for my family because they're the first flock, but I also have a responsibility to say yes to the Lord to whatever it is that he would call us into. In the scriptures, Paul realizes this. He is keenly aware of the difference between career and calling. In fact, he's felt a very clear calling from the Lord to make his way to Jerusalem. And he is on his way to Jerusalem. Nothing is going to stop him. And on his way, he stops in numerous communities that he's ministered in before. And in each one of those communities, people compel him not to go to Jerusalem. In fact, people prophesy over him not to go to Jerusalem. And yet he knows he has heard clearly from the Lord. In fact, in Acts chapter 20, as he's leaving one community, he makes this statement. He says, and now I am bound by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem. I don't know what awaits me, except that the Holy Spirit tells me in city after city that jail and suffering lie ahead. I don't know about you, but that does not sound like the calling I would pick. He goes on and he says, but my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. Do you hear the distinction? He says, listen, my life is worthless unless I do the thing that I hear the Lord calling me to do in the way that he's calling me to do it, in the place that he's calling me to do it in. That is calling. In fact, when he gets to one of the last communities he's going to visit before he heads off to Jerusalem, the people are so distraught when Paul gets ready to leave that one man shows up and prophesies this, Acts 21. A man named Agabus, who also had the gift of prophecy, arrived from Judea. He came over, took Paul's belt, and bound his own feet and hands with it. Then he said, The Holy Spirit declares, So shall the owner of this belt be bound by the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem and turned over to the Gentiles. When we heard this, we and the local believers all begged Paul not to go to Jerusalem. Paul, we've been telling you, stay here, don't go to Jerusalem. But now a man's prophesied what's going to happen when you go to Jerusalem. Paul, please don't go. And here's what Paul has to say. But he said, why all this weeping? You are breaking my heart. I am ready not only to be jailed at Jerusalem, but even to die for the sake of the Lord Jesus. When it was clear that we could not persuade him, we gave up and said, the Lord's will be done. When it comes to calling, when a pastor says, yes, I will go to this community or I will go to that community, when there's reordering and reorganizing in the church, it is because calling is what we are mandated by in pastoral ministry. It's why anytime someone's considering a pastoral role here or elsewhere, I always want to know, do you have a clear sense that Jesus is asking this of you? It actually has nothing to do with rejecting one community and saying, I love this community more, these people more. It's actually more about accepting an invitation from the Lord.
to be entirely honest, I don't think this is a mystery to anyone, Homer still feels like home to Kitri and I. It may always feel that way. And if I were just picking the place that I wanted to live, where we wanted to be, where we have the longest and deepest friendships and relationships, where the things that I love doing are easily available on the ocean and in the mountains, probably be Homer. But the reality is that isn't how we make decisions in ministry. I actually know that the Lord has called us here. For the past decade, we've been in a role that we have known even through the challenges. Jesus placed us here for the sake of his church. We have no sense that that's changing anytime soon. But we also know that the Lord could say whatever he wanted, whenever he wanted. That's his business. Our responsibility is to say yes. So here's the part maybe you've all been waiting for. It's the nitty-gritty. It's the description of what's going to take place over the next 11 months, the Lord willing. Or as we say in the South, the Lord willing and the creek don't rise. So what comes next? Well, over the next 11 months, there will be one restructuring role. There will be three successions that are taking place. But as far as I can tell at this point, there will be zero departures. At least that's what I hope for. So, nothing but the facts. I want the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. What I'm about to share with you is exactly as it appears. Over the next 11 months, we're going to see one restructuring in our organization. I'm going to remain in the role of the lead pastor of Church on the Rock, but Pastor Jonathan Garland and myself have been talking for probably close to a year, maybe a little bit longer now, about what it would look like for me to hand off some of the things that I have been carrying really since I stepped into this role 10 years ago. And I actually believe that God has uniquely placed someone in our church who is more gifted than I am in managing many of the day-to-day operations. And so Pastor Jonathan Garland and myself will actually be handing some things off, and he will step into even higher levels of responsibility and authority here, which I fundamentally believe will help us move forward faster, better, and with higher integrity. So that's coming sometime towards the end of February. Um, We've been sort of doing a slow handoff over quite some time now, but that official change is actually coming up in the near future, and it will be really clear at a staff level what his responsibilities and authorities are, which will free me up personally to be able to put my hand to some things that I have not been able to focus on for quite some time, but I am uniquely called to and gifted at and passionate about. So that's going to be happening in the near future. We don't have an exact date for that one, but there are also going to be three successions that happen over the next 11 months across our campuses. And we're telling you all of these things right now because we actually believe that the Lord is in every one of them. And you will have the opportunity to watch us walk these things out over the next several months. But what you will observe is that this is genuinely exactly what we're saying, that it is nothing more, nothing less. And so at some point in May, probably at the very beginning of May, Pastor Chris and Lori Miller will be uh, retiring from their role at the Palmer campus, but they are not going anywhere. 
In fact, we are really excited. I already have Pastor Chris plugged into our teaching and preaching rotation, and we will get the opportunity to have what he brings to the table at several other campuses as we move forward. But he and Lori aren't going anywhere. Now, they may go visit California and the kids a little more often, but they're planning on staying put, and we're planning on continuing to run together, but in different ways. And Pastor Josh and Audra O'Donnell are going to be stepping into the role at the Palmer campus. Here's what I want you to know. They've been serving at our Willow campus for quite a while, and they are just solid gold, Josh and Audra are. But when it comes to calling, they also do not get to pick the place they want to be the most. They have to have a sense that God is in it. And the moment that this opportunity presented itself, it was abundantly clear that the Lord was in it and their hearts leapt. Trust me, in any ministry role, you're going to have plenty of challenges in front of you. And that sense of calling is actually what will sustain you in those seasons of challenge. So for those of you who don't know Josh and Audra O'Donnell, here's a picture of them and their family. They are just great people. My family's been connected with them for many years. And I just want you to know this about Josh. I trust Josh implicitly. He is Church on the Rock DNA through and through, and we're excited for the future for them. Uh, The second succession that's going to be taking place is actually right at our Wasilla campus. Now, I know I don't get to be here with you guys this Sunday. I actually am at our Palmer campus today with Pastor Chris and Lori, but here's what I want you to know. Paul and Emily Sliwa are going to be stepping into the campus pastor role here at the Wasilla campus, and I couldn't be more excited. Kitri and I aren't going anywhere. This is our home campus at the Wasilla campus. Our kids attend here. They serve in ministries here. They want to be in all three services on Sunday. They've started attending youth group here. But the reality is I am 100% confident, as are our elders and our board, that Paul and Emily are ready for this season. And we've been talking about this for a really long time together. I've been waiting for the right timing. And they believe and I believe that that timing is now. I'll still be preaching and teaching at the Wasilla campus. Our family will still be here. For the youth in the room at Wasilla, I want you to know this. Paul isn't going anywhere. He will still be right here, and he'll still be your pastor. But we have some time. We're looking out into September um, for that transition to actually take place. Um, As you know, at the Wasilla campus, um, they aren't here today, and that is because they're suffering for Jesus in Hawaii with all of their extended family celebrating Bill and Carlene's anniversary. And so they'll be back here next week, and you'll be hearing from them in just a few moments. But the third succession that I want to describe to you, and the final one that we see in this coming year, is actually with Dale and Frankie Shillington. There's Paul and Emily Sliwa on the screen for you there. As you can see, they got their hands full, so be nice to them because they don't need more to carry around. But Pastor Dale and Frankie Shillington at our Willow campus, I know you're wondering from the first one that I mentioned, Josh and Audra O'Donnell, what's the plan for Willow? Don't worry. We believe there's actually the right thing for the Willow campus. And we actually believe that there are already some Willow Billies there who are ready to run in the days ahead. We actually identified this quite some time ago. We just didn't know exactly what the right role was. But what we have landed on with Dale and Frankie, Josh and Audra, with our elders, is that John and Alexi Ajo are the right people at the Willow campus. This is actually the succession that we have the most 
time with. And so we're looking at a date somewhere potentially all the way out into December of this year when Dale and Frankie also are going to be retiring from vocational ministry. They also plan on going nowhere. They're actually going to be right here plugged in with us as a church. It also means that I get to utilize Dale's gifting and preaching and caring for our pastoral staff. He and Frankie are going to be in a role where they get to uh, bring real care and concern for our pastoral staff because of their experience and length of time in vocational ministry. I'm really excited to see what the days ahead have for them. But just so you know, they're not going anywhere. And we believe that John and Lexi are the right people. They have a clear sense of calling from the Lord. Our elders have met with them. We have a pathway for them to step into this, grow into this next season, and then be ready by December at the latest to step into that role there at the Willow Campus. So there you go. That's a lot. In fact, it's a lot to say right now. In fact, maybe you're freaking out right now, depending on your level of relationship or concerns for the church. But I want to remind you of a couple of things. First one is this. We're looking at the next 11 months. And so for Chris and the O'Donnells, we actually are looking about four months away before that actual succession takes place. Chris and Lori aren't going anywhere, but there will be a season where they step away from the Palmer campus and will be at the Wasilla campus while Josh and Audra step into their role there. But we have four months before that gets here. And with uh, Paul and I, we're looking at roughly seven to eight months before this actual succession takes place at the Wasilla campus. And then for the Ajos and the Shillingtons, we're looking at somewhere between 10 and 11 months before that actually happens. Here's the reason I say that. We got some time. You're going to have an opportunity. The reason we're saying all of this now is because you get the opportunity to watch us walk this out. And so here's what is not happening. Pastor Chris and Lori are not leaving. They are retiring from the current role that they're in, but they will continue serving right here in our church. Pastor Dale and Frankie are not leaving, and Pastor Jonathan and Kittry are not leaving. But here's what is happening. Pastor Chris and Lori are still serving in Church on the Rock, and Pastor Dale and Frankie are still serving in Church on the Rock, and Kittry and I are still leading in the lead pastor capacity at Church on the Rock. None of us have any sense that our season at Church on the Rock has come to an end. But here's the most important thing for you to keep in mind. Jesus is still on the throne. If there is one thing that I have learned over the past 10 years in my role here at Church on the Rock, it's this. None of us are the linchpin to what God wants to do in his church and in this church. The end of the day, our responsibility is to make right decisions in the right way at the right time as best we can discern. But the outcomes, the outcomes are his business. He knows what the future will look like. And he says we can trust him. And so this is it. I'm laying down the gauntlet. I actually had to look up the word because when I looked up the word gauntlet, I was wondering, is a gauntlet something you go through, or is a gauntlet something you lay down as a challenge? And what I discovered is it's both. 
In fact, you lay down the challenge historically by taking a glove and throwing it on the ground, and you are laying down the gauntlet. It was often a medieval glove, a metal glove that you were throwing on the ground, and you were saying, I'm challenging you, and that's what I want to do right now. I want to double dog dare you, which was all the rage when I was a teenager. I want to double dog dare you to stick around. Stick around for the next four months. Stick around for the next nine months. Or stick around for the next 11 months. And you decide if what I have described to you is the whole truth and nothing but the truth. And I am just telling you, I've watched it over and over again. I have every confidence in the world that as you watch us as campus pastors, as the lead pastor, as up-and-coming campus pastors, as you watch us walk this out, I have every confidence in the world that what you will see happen is exactly what we have said will happen. There's real relationship. There's real unity in each one of the things that I have described to you. There's no skeletons in the closet. We just believe that this is the season God is calling us into so that we could run hard after all that he has in the days ahead. So I want you to know, I am so excited about our future as a church. My prayer is that you feel that same thing in your spirit. Feel free to ask the questions that you have. We'll answer all of them that we can. But Church on the Rock 2024 is here, and we're running into it with purpose and passion and freedom in the Lord. Can't wait to see what he does, church. We'll see you next Sunday. Hey, Wasilla Campus, I just want to talk to you for a moment. A couple of things I want you to know. Um, first of all, like I said in the video, Kitri and I are going to be here. This is our home campus. But part of what this will do for me is free me up to be able to be at some of our other campuses a little bit more often than I've been able to. But also I believe that this is the right thing for the future of our church, and I'm super excited. You know that Paul and Emily aren't here this weekend because you don't see them in the room, and the only reason for that is, as I said, they're with all of the extended family in Hawaii. I don't feel remotely bad for them. Have no pity. They are not doing the work of the Lord there. They're just resting and enjoying family. But they did send a video message that they wanted you to hear from them directly, and then they'll be back here next week with us. So without any further delay, here's a quick message from Pastor Paul and Emily Sliwal. Hey, Church on the Rock, Wasilla. I'm Paul. I'm Emily. And by now you've heard the news from Pastor Jonathan about all the amazing things that are gonna be taking place across all of our campuses this coming year. And we just wanted to say that we are so excited to be stepping into this new role as your Wasilla campus pastors. Yeah, we've just spent so much time in prayer over this and we so feel that this is where God is leading our church, our family. We're so expectant, yeah. so hopeful. It's such an honor to get to be walking into this position and we just are so thankful and grateful and excited for what's to come. Yes, totally. And we also wanna to say to the youth out there, we love you guys. Mm -hmm. uh, being your Wasilla youth pastors mm -hmm. for the last seven and a half, almost eight years, has been one of the greatest joys of our lives. We've truly loved every minute of it. And uh, we, we love you guys. We also wanna say we're not going anywhere. We're staying at the Wasilla campus. So we're still gonna see each other. And we still have several more months until this transition takes place. So mm -hmm. we're still gonna be around. We still get time together. And we just wanna make the most of our time that we have left. So I wanna say that we love you guys. We're so excited about what's to come mm -hmm. for our family, yeah. 
uh, for the church, for all of you, and all that God has in store for us, because we believe he has great things in the future for Church on the Rock. Mm -hmm. So with that said, we have a family reunion in Hawaii, so we got to go. But That's right. we'll be back. See you in a few weeks. Thank you for listening. For more of our podcasts and to discover how you can connect, visit us at churchak.org or download our Church on the Rock AK app from either iTunes or Google Play. Thank you.